Today's Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast. The Ravens have some large contract decisions to make. Who's going to be here beyond 2020? The Orioles are playing it safe, but is it really the right move? ESPN nails it again with a Len Bias 30 for 30 and a hodgepodge of topics in this week's rundown. Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. BS, BS. Way too long. Jesus, man, you ruined it. That's two weeks in a row now. Way too long on that, Scott. Consistency is a gorgeous uh, thing. Last week I had to watch your reaction through video. This week I got to see your reaction live. I'm like, am I not fading this out fast enough? What's going on here? I don't know what's happening. He's looking at me like, are you going to (laughs) talk? Are we going to start the show? It's going to be a very awkward start. (laughs) What's up, BSers? Fred, Scott, Brian, and James all back in the studio today. Uh, it's episode 149. We are together again. And it's the, uh, the name of the podcast together again, as, as we should have named it as we decided, uh, the boys are back in town. Boys are back in town, back in the saddle again, you know, Uh, whichever 90s tune you want to go with. The only problem with the boys and back are are back in town is that baseball season is not here. No, so it doesn't work. It's not. And the Orioles apparently aren't in a rush to get back to things. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. The Ravens, man, they've got some big contract decisions, obviously, to make. I know a few of them that we've kind of talked about at ends, really, for the last couple of months. Because, you know, what else is there to really talk about with the Ravens? But uh, there are a couple of really big decisions that they got to make in the immediate that I think we right. should dive into a little bit deeper today. And we will. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about these because we we haven't really gotten into it too too much. we've gotten into some of it. But I, I want to really get our take, you know, in live reactions, even though we were live before it's a little bit different when we're right here. Yeah, I agree. Terps uh, are in the news with ESPN as ESPN yeah. nails it again. Man, they 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 killed it with that documentary with MJ and the Bulls. Mm-hmm. They just announced a thirty for thirty for Len Bias, yeah, uh, one of the all time greats at Maryland that uh, unfortunately passed away early, and we didn't get to see him reach the uh, the pinnacle of his career in, in his professional career anyway. But uh, that's one I'm definitely excited to see. I'm excited to see it. I don't have ESPN Plus, which I know is where you can get it when it starts. And then they'll put it on ESPN. So once it gets on ESPN, I'll be able to watch it. I'm excited to watch it and see see how it turns out. And as usual, we got a hodgepodge of topics in tonight's rundown to go through. Uh, A whole lot of stuff to talk about. (laughs) But before we do too much, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident and weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland Personal Injury Attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD Crash a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, I'm going to say it again. Save this number now. 855-MD-CRASH. That's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook, 
for some fun giveaways, including some really, really cool gift cards that they've been giving a lot away lately yeah, to local it. restaurants and different things. He's been giving away a lot. And actually, he actually just gave away a cruise. <laughs> That's awesome. I miss that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it, it was. I saw it. And I was like, oh, that, that that is just top of the line right there to go and give away an entire cruise. To so somebody. make sure you're following them on Facebook. If you haven't gotten out there and hit like on their page yet, what are you doing? Do it now. All right, Scott. Well, before we before we get into anything, you know, sports related. First, obviously, us being back. Yeah. Right. It, it's our our grand reunion, so to speak. It is. So for our what's grand, it been? It's been a little over two months. I feel like at this point, it's been almost three months at this point. At three months, wow. wow. Yeah, it's wow. been wow. almost three months. Uh, it all runs together. So I went and I at liquor stop. Mm-hmm. I got us some grand. Marnier, Grand Marnier. Grand, grand Reunion. So here's to you, buddy. Here's, here's you. to you, Brian. Here's Social to you, James. Distancing. And here's to all Cheers. our fans. And to all of our fans that have been out there and stuck with us through the uh, the hodgepodge of shows I want to do had. that again. It's real life. Oh, yeah. look. We're, yeah. we're not six feet away. No, It's, it's great. It's not a virtual I, cheers. <laughs> I've got my chaser with me, so we're going to do this. Let's do it. Cheers to all cheers, you guys cheers, out there. Man. I'll pause for a second so we don't have a bunch of dead air there. Did you? I was gonna say, did you suck that out of there? Holy <laughs> hell! Wow, man. No, I'm not good. At, I'm not. I'm not as good at sucking as you are. Oh, geez. Well, you walked into it. What did, did you want me to do? How, it's been two and a half months since you've been here, and we've had the this chit chat. What do you want me to do? He's um, missed you so much. All right, we are so back. Before we actually talk sports, um, you know, you, you we talked about this when you got here. You almost called me yesterday. Um, there's a lot going on. I'll let you get into kind of what you were thinking, and then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna open up Pandora's box here a little bit, um, you know, just to discuss because we have the platform to do this. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of been my whole thing with this. Is I really debated yesterday whether I was even gonna do this show just because of everything that's going on in the world right now, and and everything that's going on <clears throat> in Minnesota and across, really across the nation. But you know, the more I thought about it, the more I sat on it. And I thought that's half the problem is that we as a society, we don't talk about these things. We don't, we're, we're, it's, it's like we're afraid to give our opinions because we're afraid of what other people are going to think of what we may say or what we might feel on a certain topic. And I think we shouldn't live in that fear. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't feel like that's the right approach to go about it. And I think that's half the problem. We have a stage, whether it be, I mean, the size of a freaking, you know, pedestal or whatever. We don't have, we don't have 10 million subscribers on YouTube. You know, we, we got all of you guys that watch, but you guys are regular fans. You like to hear our opinions and, you know, look, we, we can't, we can't go without addressing what's in front of us because to your point, there are bigger issues out there than sports not being on TV. And I think we really learned that we all agreed. We talked about this beforehand. We really, we learned that over the past you know week and a half, um, there's just been a lot that's that's happened, and I think to to your point, we were talking about this pre-show, uh, you know, deciding how we were going to, uh, you know, fit this into the show because we knew that we needed to, mm-hmm. um, but it, it really comes down to, I think we both, can, I think we can all agree that the message of the protesters, in our eyes. Is heard by us mm-hmm. and agreed upon by us. There, there's so much going on, and systemically, 
with police. I know you, you kind of were getting into it, and you kind of had had kind of a, a set of, of points that you wanted to make sure that you talked about. So yeah. I'm gonna turn it over to you. But I, I mean, I, listen, <clears throat> to just kind of start this off, I'm not I'm not gonna pretend that I understand what it's like to be black. I'm not gonna understand, you know, pretend to understand that I know what it's like to be racially profiled every single day of my life. That's something that we we're four white men. In we, and, we and I speak as, as, as yeah. right as all of us, white people, well, that's something that we will never understand. It's something that we will never be able to grasp. Right. But as we talked about, and as you mentioned, I understand the frustration that goes behind it. I understand the message that's going behind it. There there's so, there's so much layers to this. It's, it's, racial discrimination it's police violence it's it's police violence you know going direct at a specific race class like right. it's just it's a nightmare what's going on out there i agree 100 percent, and i stand behind everybody that's down there that's peacefully protesting yeah 100 percent. and i think all of us in here agree that the rioting and the looting is not the answer so no, I, I don't no. agree with that. I, I agree that, you the know, I understand the frustration behind it. Right. And, and that's that's one thing I wanted to kind of address real quick before you kind of move on is, look, I get the frustration. You're, you're frustrated. I've seen many of videos on social media that, you know, a, a, of, of people in the community stepping up and saying, this is not the way. I understand you're frustrated. Yeah. Even I think it was George Floyd's brother was even like, you know, Look, I'm frustrated. Do I get that angry? Yes, I do. But right. this is not the way to to go about it. You can't go destroying things because you know to to that point, some of these communities you're destroying your your fellow American and fellow African American leaders in those in those communities. You're destroying some of their businesses. You're hurting the message overall of what's trying to be gotten across. Because let's let's get into it real quick. The media. And not necessarily us, but we're considered the media. The majority of the mainstream media is looking at the wrong thing. It's focusing on all the wrong. Yeah, it's focusing exactly. on all the bad, right? It's focusing on the riots. It's focusing on the fires. It's not focusing on the, the, the hundreds of protests, the hundreds of peaceful protests, the people that are actually trying to convey a message and trying to convey the correct message. And, and even the police officers that are walking hand in hand with these yeah. protesters, you don't see that. You see a little bit on social media and that kind of stuff, but you don't see this stuff on mainstream, on, on mainstream no. TV. Uh, and that's part of the problem. But listen, it would be a joke and it would be crazy to think that racism will ever cease to exist in this country. It just will never. It's something that's taught. It's something that's learned, right? At, the, at this point, it's, it's almost utopian, unfortunate. unfortunately. I say that, but it's almost utopian to think that. It's, it's something that will never go away completely. But what can go away completely, in my eyes, are racists in public, in powerful positions. Whether that start and that starts in politics, all the way down to the police department, which is obviously the singular issue that they're protesting about now is, is police brutality against blacks. But what, what do you do to fix it? What is the problem, right? Why, why does this problem continue to happen? And in my opinion, it's because it's multiple things. It's one, because we don't vet these police officers properly. We don't evaluate them properly. We don't hold them to a high enough standard. But why is that? 
And there's a big reason behind that. And I think the reason behind that is because these guys aren't paid enough for their, for what they do. These people, these police officers, they go out and they protect and serve, right? And they put their lives on the line for us every day. And me selling power tools, I make more money annually than a new police officer coming in you day make, one. You and I make more money annually. I think, you know, there's a problem us, in that. We make more money annually than even some veteran police officers. Right. Let's 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 be real about that. It's not just younger police officers. It's veteran police officers. So you have, to your point, maybe a different class of people. And it's I'll be honest, I know some people that are police officers or have been police officers that I'm pretty sure have done the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, and when I've said, when I've seen them, I say, what you're doing is wrong. Right. You shouldn't be doing this. That's what you got to do. And, and that's really what it comes down to. There's not, not all cops are bad. Nope. But there are bad cops. A hundred percent. Not all African-Americans or black people are criminals. There are criminals of all races. Right. And my point is, because these people aren't paid well, there's nobody lining up at the door to be a Baltimore City police officer right now. They struggle to get people in. They've said they it. struggle to get people in, right? And they're and and the way that they combat that is they lower the standard, they lower the bar for what gets somebody in the door. What's the right? least that we can accept? And that's what allows these pieces of shit. And that's for my lack of a better term, that's what these people are. They're pieces of shit that come into a police department. They get away with doing whatever they want. This guy, Sometimes have their this own guy that, that, that yeah. murdered, this guy that murdered George Floyd had a rap sheet internally with the police office, with the police commissioners and all them longer than fucking Santa's list. He, never, he shouldn't have been a police officer at that point, period. There's no reason that he should be a police officer. Should have been, this should have never even been in position to do what he did the other day. Right? So... How, how do you fix that? Like, how do you fix these things? Well, I mean, here's what I'm going to tell people. You know, all, all the, the, the people that are out there peaceful, peacefully protesting, that's great. Yep. But what are we in? We're in an election year. Yep. And it's not, you know, when people hear election year, I'm just going to say this. When people hear election year, they immediately think, and Brian, you, you, I know you're into politics. A lot of people think election year, president. You could, that is absolutely a vote. But there is more than just one person that runs this country. Yep. There are other people that run this country. You have your senators. If you don't like what your senator and how your senator is representing you, go vote. If you don't like how your, your council members of your county or your city are, are, are representing you, go vote. If you don't like how your governor is representing you, if it's, a, if it's an election year for your governor, go vote. Like, these are the things, the whole thing of, to your point, the whole thing of my vote doesn't matter because there's so many votes. It's it, it, at this point, I think it's it's absolutely proven. We've seen over the past four to eight years, we've seen that's not true. I mean, I've heard that from countless amounts of my friends that I'm one person. My vote doesn't count. Well, there's millions and millions of people that have that same thought process, right? right? If you want to make a difference, get out to there to the polls, put your vote in, do that collectively as a community. We all need to get out there and get these bad people out of positions of power. That's one phase of it. The second phase is, like I said, vetting these people, having a stronger evaluation period and having a no tolerance policy amongst all police pre uh, precincts. And, and, and yeah. I well, actually heard an interesting argument today, and I'm curious to get both your takes. Um, 
but and then I'll get I'll get you yeah, get to, let you talk Brian because I know you were wanting to talk over there. Um, I heard an interesting take, and I thought, you know what, that is actually it's very smart. We want to hold police to a higher standard, right? Mm-hmm. Why not make the penalization higher? Yeah, well, that's if what a I'm police saying. officer right hold them more accountable. Right, it, it, it's not just that you're you're you know held there, but the the, the penalization, the penalty is much higher. You know where maybe if you ten years, maybe it's twenty or thirty or whatever the next level up as far as the class of this misdemeanor is. If you make these positions of value with a higher salary, those positions are going to be in higher demand. And you have your better pick by a better, yeah, exactly right. by a better group of of, of people. A you have cla- a better and a, cl- a better, better group of candidates, a classier pick of candidates who are going to be doing the right thing, right for the right reasons. And you have well, a stronger valuation. I know process. you want to talk, Brian. Go ahead. A lot of it, and I'll catch crap for this because I am part. Uh, I'm a volunteer for the fire company for Falston, so I I, I do see a lot of police mm-hmm. officers. They don't even tell you they back. Uh, the guy's name just gave me what what happened. Uh, the, the police officer. Was in the wrong. Everything was wrong. All, all, but they're coming out saying it's kind of a training issue. Now, like, like you're like you and um, like Scott and Fred, where you guys were saying the guy had a, a guy should have never been a police officer. He should have been fired eons ago. Right. But my thing is though, I look at the history side. Look at Martin Luther King. He's somebody I bring up. How did he make change? How did he make change? He marched. And he that's had the million man march. And that right. was going to be my third point. And and sorry, I didn't mean to. No, jump no, no, you're good. Oh, it's a but, transition. But yeah. that's that's the one thing that I always look back on Martin Luther King was that man made such a difference during the whole segregation period. It's mm-hmm. some of the darkest history in American history, which I'm a, I'm a history major. You look back on those times. Martin Luther King would be ashamed to see what's going on right now. My yeah. my opinion. A hundred percent. In my opinion, because yeah. he believed in peaceful protesting. That's how he got his message out. That's how he marched on Washington and got JFK to help out. He's like, right. I've got millions of people here with me in Washington. You're going to hear my voice. And that's how change happened. Yeah. That's how segregation came to an end because of Martin Luther King. Millions and millions of people marching on Washington wanting change. And, and, and that's how change happened. Now, to me, that could have been the same thing. They could have done it. You had all communities. All communities were backing change yeah. for police department. Saying, and they, to me, they kind of dropped the ball in this. I think bit. Fred made a really great point. I'm going to let you expand on this for a quick second. Because you you and I were talking. We were talking about this pre-show. We're debating this of you know how we... how we Whether we were even going to talk about this or not. Right. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that you brought up, which was an absolute great point, is Martin Luther King, you know, you study history. You got to learn from your history. The good and the bad of your history, right? You got to learn from both things. But on that same token... Who right now is the face of what's happening? My point is there, there, there is there none. is not. There needs it's, to be. There's yeah. there's three levels it's a to mob this. Mentality there's right, the, right, and that's the that's the problem. Right. There needs to be change in getting out there and voting and getting the bad people out of 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 politics and getting out the bad people out of Washington that don't deserve to be there and in your local governments. That's step one. Step two is taking care of the police department. And making sure that these guys get paid and vetting them properly and holding them accountable. There has to be a higher standard for people that are protecting and serving, who are swearing an oath to protect and serve. There needs to be a, a zero tolerance yeah. policy. And the third thing is there needs to be, in my opinion, again, all of this is my is, is our opinions, right? None of this is just us talking, right? Not being afraid to put our message out there. 
The third thing is having that singular person, that one representative, that that you know social activist like Martin Luther King was to get out there and and be that that staple for the community, be that spokesperson for the community. We're seeing all these peaceful protests going on right now, and there's you know a few leaders here and there, but there's not that one singular person that can make a difference like Martin Luther King did right. back in his day in, in in the '60s and whatnot. There needs to be that now. I don't know if that's like a, a Colin Kaepernick type figure or whatnot. I don't know who that person is, yeah. but I feel like that's that's well, the I next did, step in making a change. I was say, you bring up Colin Kaepernick. You got Killer Mike down in, in Atlanta, right. uh, yep. who's been a big big spokesperson down there. You know, maybe it's one of these one of these guys. We don't know, but it, there definitely obviously needs to be a change. And you know, I I, I am going to disagree with something that somebody said in the chat room here. Nick says it starts at the top. It, it actually in our society. Is the, could the top be a problem? Yes, but it actually starts in the trenches, right? And what I mean by in the trenches Damn. is it starts at the local level. Then you you've got to work it up. If you don't have people pushing for you at the local level, it never works its way to the top. You have to start small, and that's one of the things Martin Luther King did. Was he start? He started in his community. He started in in Alabama. Right where he was from, he started there. Then it worked its way over into North Carolina. Then it worked its way into yep. Georgia. It worked its way around. You have to start small. You cannot go this massive scale, especially with this mob mentality, and have your message be lost. And that's the last point that I want to make. Yeah, is the media, you know, focusing on the wrong thing. We're trying to focus on the right thing, and that's the right message, right? So make sure that you, you know, if you want to see change, the best way to do it right now. Go out and vote in every level of government that you can for the person that you feel most represents your beliefs. And that's how you start change. All right. So, like I said, I felt like that was something that was necessary. I felt like it was something that I wanted to get out. And I really didn't. I, I'm sure there are people out there that are going to agree. And I'm sure there are people out there that are going to disagree. And that's okay, too. Right. There's no, I mean, in my opinion, there. I'm just, I'm just relaying my feelings, my emotions, my, and there's, I'm not going to hold myself back from doing that anymore. There's been times where like, I've wanted to say something or I've wanted to post something or whatever. And I've kind of held myself back in fear of backlash or how somebody might say, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm going to use it as, as, as this, as a stage, if I have to, if I feel like I need to. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we have the platform. We, we want to do it. So, all right, let's jump into sports, right? Yeah. So let's jump straight into the Ravens flock here. Um, so this week, few different things came out, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, I think the one that we all, well, I don't want to say we expected, but it wasn't surprising when we saw it. Eric DaCosta, Sporting News, they named him their executive of the year. The trifecta. I mean, now you've got, you've got the MVP in Lamar, right? You've got Harbaugh named the coach of the year, and now DaCosta named the executive of the year in his first year as full-blown executive. So... It wouldn't it be Ravens flock news if Nick didn't ask for it. I miss that baby guy. is going to be a Raven. <laughs> That's me. awesome. Touche, man. Nick. Oh man. Uh, All right. So, love you, Nick. See, so, yeah, I mean, Eric DeCasa being named Executive of the Year. I think it was you know slam dog. Sporting news. You know, it's just another you know another way, another small award that goes goes a long way for these guys. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show that everybody is representing and seeing that. The job that he's done and what he's been able to do with this team, not only you know preseason, but it, during the season as well. We've talked about that almost at nauseum. I hate to say at nauseum about something that's so good, right? But, but we talked to it at nauseum about it about yeah. how good it was, what he did. Um, 
But he, he continues to he continues to do things this offseason. Yeah, I mean, when you just look at the body of work that he had last year, right? He goes out and signs a, a veteran back like Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram comes in and has a huge impact uh, on the locker room and on the team, obviously, offensively. You've got that, you know, that part of it. Uh, he makes a midseason trade to get somebody like Marcus Peters. Uh, for basically a bag of bricks, you know, at that point, right. like ne- next to nothing. You turn Vedvik into, what was it, a third-round pick that we get, right? All these right. highlights, all these different points of, of things that Eric DaCosta was able to do. And then he solidified the inside linebacker problem by going out and hiring or bringing in, like, three different guys that were just kind of sitting on the couch. Nobody had, you know, any plans of bringing these guys in. We bring them in, and it changes our defense as a whole. So kudos to Eric DaCosta. Uh, I'm excited for what he does, what he's going to do and what he's going to bring for this franchise moving forward. Uh, and obviously it continued this year with the draft and nailing the draft. Yeah, I mean, he nails the draft with all these young rookies. He gets Judon on this, this franchise tag, right? Mm. I don't know how much of a genius move that is. That was kind of like Here's a, a, it deal, was a though, no-brainer. He's, he's, on a, he's on a franchise tag at what, 16.8? Mm-hmm. You can do what you want with him now. You can either say, look, we took on the franchise tag and the salary. Technically, you, you franchise tag and you can still trade him. Yeah. Right? So you can you can be able to, to do something with him. Or you franchise tag him, saving yourself a little bit of money off of what he could have potentially cost you to really get going on this season. So I, I, I look at it as, as a, a little bit of an upside either way. However you want to do it, whatever you want to look at, I think there still could be, to your point last week, you brought up the idea of, Okay, trade Judon. Then you then you can bring in a Jadavian Clowney, and you get uh, what's his face from the Jets, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. Yeah, that's if you know. Like I said, that was all just a, a what if scenario. If the Jets were even in the market to do such a deal, uh, j- listen, Matt Judon is going to be a tough trade because he's got a sixteen million dollar contract, right? And it's only for right. one year, so. You're not going to get a ton in return for him unless there's some sort of agreement put into place, like if it's a sign-and-trade type deal where they have a contract locked up for the next three to four years. You're not going to get a whole lot of value for a guy that's going to hit $16 million on the cap. And, again, it's just under a one-year rental type type contract. Uh, Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into that. Again, if something like that were to happen with the Jets, I would absolutely entertain that idea. But – it, it remains to be seen. There's going to be a lot of teams out there that could use pass rush, but the Ravens are not in a position to trade Matt Judon for the sake of trading Matt Judon. No. Matt Judon brings too much value to this They need to, to get something defense. in return that's going to put them over the edge, which is why I said before uh, a trade, uh, an Adams-type trade, is more, in my opinion, more likely to happen in the latter part of the season when we're, you know, if we're to hunt, we need that one piece and he could lock it down, or if we have an injury, God forbid, knock on wood. Right. That's when I could see something like that really coming at full circle and and really putting us in a great position. Right. Um, the other thing that we we have to talk about because we talked about his his contract, you know, coming up, and you're going to need to pay Ronnie Stanley. There's an article put out this week talking about Ronnie Stanley potentially being the highest paid non quarterback in the league. Yeah, and I don't think that's a far fetched idea. I mean, when you when you look at left tackle and the value that it brings to an offense, specifically the Ravens offense, right? And and how productive this team is as an offense with the run game, right? 
that doesn't happen unless you're blocking your 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 the blind side for your quarterback, and you've got right. somebody out there that you don't have to question, and a guy that that that's out there right now that's a top two or three tackle in the league right now. Agreed, hands down, right? So, Agreed. and he's in the 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 young is he's in the prime of his career. Like this guy is going to demand, and he's going to set the market for left tackles. We talked about it, you know, a couple weeks ago. The the money that Tunzel got, yeah. Stanley is going to top that yeah, he's number, get more. and it could be potentially up to $30 million a year. Yeah, I mean, he, he has the potential. You know, most quarterbacks in the league, let's be real, most quarterbacks in the league are right-handed. Yeah. You're protecting the blind side. When you have somebody that's that strong because your quarter can't, quarterback can't see what happens, he deserves to get paid. Right. Right, and some people are questioning why is an offensive line get – that's why. This is the one position where you have to absolutely make sure that you you have your man. Right. Because if you don't, seven times out of ten, your quarterback's probably going to be on the ground. Exactly. So why shouldn't he get paid? I, I have to say, like, running backs, you bring a lot to the table. Quarterbacks, you bring a lot to the table. But that left tackle, man, if, you're, if you've got a left-handed quarterback at your right tackle, fine, whatever. Yep. That blind side is huge. Your offense starts in the trenches, and we say this all the time. The most important position group in the NFL, in my opinion, is the offensive line. Within that offensive line, the most important position is a tackle protecting the quarterback's blind side. What's not coming? And, I mean, there wasn't anybody in the league that was better than Roddy Stanley last year. No. Nobody in the league better. And he's athletic. He can move around, which, and again, in an offense like this that runs a lot of RPO, they need a guy that can move, right? That that yeah. not only can protect in pass coverage, but that can move in an RPO-style offense. Ronnie Stanley brings that. That's why I think that he's going to, without a doubt, set the bar for left tackles in the league, and I have no problem with that. This kind of goes to my point last week when we were talking about Jamal Adams and how great it would be to have Jamal Adams it's really just an added value at that point because if you're going to bring Jamal Adams in who are you not going to pay of all these star athletes that we know are going to be up from big contracts right are you not going to pay Ronnie Stanley nope are you not going to pay Orlando Brown no on the other <laughs> side nope are you not going to pay you know Lamar's top top target last year and Mark Andrews nope are you not going to pay a top two or three cornerback in the league, Marlon Humphrey? Nope. So who are you not paying to bring a guy like a Jamal Adams in? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You can't – there's no guy that you can turn to and say, like, this is the guy that we would we would not pay in order in order to keep a guy like this. Look, he, is he going to cost us a lot? Hell yeah, he's going to cost us a lot. He's going to cost us a ton. But you have to look – we've said it. You're not going to not pay Lamar. Right, right. If you not pay Lamar, that's why I didn't even bring then, his name up. That's not even a debate. right. But that if you if that's even on your mind, this city would flip its freaking lid. Yeah, that's it's an invalid point because that's never going to happen. Right. That's primary. So what do you one. do? You protect him, and how do you protect him? You protect him with the best left tackle in the league, in Ronnie Stanley. Right. And if you you've got to pay him a little extra. You do it. Now, I will say uh, Ronnie Stanley did say in an interview recently that money 
isn't the most important factor for him. So if there's, anything, hometown discount. if there's anything that bodes well <laughs> for the Ravens, maybe that bodes well. Uh, we'll see. It's, I, like I said, I don't think it's a matter of debate. It's just a matter of when. And I don't think the Ravens would do any good on waiting too long with this guy. I don't think it'd be smart to let him get any closer to free agency. So I think, this is a deal that should get done relatively yeah. soon. And Nick Nick says you're spot on. He says that gives a, that frees up money for to give AB the league minimum. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps getting uh, these in here tonight, buddy. Oh man, no, uh, yeah, like it, it's you can't not pay him. It, it, you have to protect Lamar. And this kind of feeds into to the next thing I want to talk about, which was John Harbaugh did his presser uh, with the season ticket holders this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he talked about it, he talked about one of the the keys to Lamar Jackson's evolution is really taking advantage of defenses stacking the box, right? We have four running backs at this point that are projected to make this rock roster. Mm-hmm. Four-headed beast, if you add him, that's five. Mm-hmm. At that point, what team is not going to start biting up a little bit more? Which, to Lamar's advantage, or to, to his point, Lamar's biggest advantage is to start getting and developing, which he's been doing, that relationship with his receivers. If he can nail that down and be in stride and in step with all of his throws and, and be on the same thought process as these guys, when he when they need to get open, okay, when I need to get open, I'm going towards this area or I'm going towards that. If you can be on the same thought process, this offense has the ability to be unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's not an efficiency standpoint with Lamar. Lamar was the most efficient quarterback from the pocket last year in the NFL. Yeah. And he, he throws very well between the numbers over the middle. He throws pretty well to the outside as well. The area that he needs to work on, I think that Harbaugh was kind of making his point here, was deep. Right. He needs to work on the deep ball. And when you add somebody like Hollywood Brown to the offense last year who wasn't 100% healthy, you get him at 100% this year, that's, I mean, that's where he's going to well, excel are these big plays over yeah. the top. Yeah. You know, you got people like like you know the Mark Adam or Mark Andrews of the world, and you got some of these new draft picks coming in, the du- uh, Duvernay, that are going to work those underneath routes, right? All that's going to do is open up the over top routes right. to Hollywood Brown down the field. That's where Lamar, I think, can make his biggest leap from year two to year three, I guess per se. Um, and I think that's where you'll see the most improvement in his game. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. You, you bring up a great point because for me, when you when you look at these these young guys, right? They're they're the the unproven, untested, right, so to speak. They went against some of these guys went it went against top tier college competition. Mm-hmm. But when you put them up against the NFL, we've we've heard it many a times. It's a different speed. But you get them up to Lamar speed, right? Not not. Physically, but mentally. These guys, like a DuVernay, they can be that next level and that that rotational, even if not the next level, that rotational piece. Right. They can come in and pick up right off where somebody else left off. And that's exactly what you want. So I'm going to go into this. I'm going to put you in charge of all the rookies this year. Okay. All the dra- we'll, we'll specifically say all the drafted and undrafted guys that we that we know of. Yep. First question I'm going to ask you, as a group collectively, what is your message to them 
about this team and co- this team as a whole and this coaching staff? What is my message to them as a team and the coaching st- and to the coaching staff? I, about this team and the coaching staff. You're just talking to the rookies here. What are you telling them about this team and this coaching staff? I mean, I'm telling them that this is about dedication. This is a, these are unprecedented times, right? We're, we're in, a, in, a, in a situation of limited uh, access, right? We're, we're not able to get in the facilities. We're not able to get, get in the mini camps and the OTAs and all the extra work, right? If you, right now, you're in a position where you're fighting for a roster spot, you're fighting for playing time, right? The only way you're going to be able to do that is two things. One, show that you're willing to put in the work, and that you're willing to stay in the shape. Two, is that you're willing to dive into the playbook and you're willing to learn and take advantage of all the different tools that we have right now, whether that be, it's going to have to be virtually, you know, at least for for the foreseeable future until training camp comes. And the people, the cream will rise to the top, right? The rookies that put in the time, put in the work, and and really dive headfirst into the playbook are the ones that are going to make the biggest impact in year one. All right. I mean, that's right where I'm thinking. And that's that's one thing I'm a little surprised to have not he- heard so far. I know there's probably limitations with these guys, and I don't know the full you know NFL regulations. Are they out? But I'm surprised none of these guys have. If I'm then, I'm trying to get Lamar's contact information. Yeah. And I'm saying, hey, where can I meet you in Miami? I'd like, I'd like to work with you and start running routes and start you know getting in a rhythm. Yep. Agreed. That shows dedication. I'll tell you what, that'll get Lamar's attention real quick. Yeah, absolutely. So if any of you guys are watching, go do it. All right. Uh, all right. So next question. Same thing. What is your biggest warning or best advice to them for this my, upcoming for this upcoming preseason? My biggest warning? Hmm. It could be the worst thing they could do. It could be the best thing they could do. I mean, I think we just covered the best thing they do. So I think the worst thing that you can do is let the game be too big for you. Do what's got you here, right? I think a lot of people try to do too much and try to impress too hard. And listen, you were a NFL draft pick for a reason. You got to the position that you're in for a reason, right? It's on your athletic talent. Let your athletic talent speak, right? Don't try to do too much. Don't try to be cute with things. Get in, put in the grind, and just make sure you're taking care of your body. Because, again, right now you're going to see a lot of, like, soft tissue type of issues because if you're not putting in that work – that's if what's going to happen. Your muscles if you're not yeah. keeping your, yeah, exactly. If you're not keeping your muscles in the shape, that's where you're going to see, and that's the biggest thing. Your your window of opportunity as a rookie is small. Yeah, I don't care Agreed. if you're a first round pick or you're a seventh round pick. Your opportunity is small. You have to capitalize on that opportunity. So you have to do everything that you can. It it, it all kind of ties together to the same message. So the warning is, don't get too complacent. Yeah. Don't get too complacent, but don't go over the top good advice from steven i would say follow hollywood brown on instagram and work out as hard as he does yeah. that's a great point right yeah we've talked about that and how he's stepped up his game from year one to year two and what he's been able to do and that the weight that he that he's put on his healthy weight and right. what he's doing with his footwork all that stuff it's 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 every level of his game he's trying to improve right so 
I absolutely agree. Take take a, a piece out of his playbook, so to speak, and say, I want to be like that guy. He's only in his second year, and here he is getting ready to make a huge impact. Right. I want to be that guy, if not better than him, so to speak. So the last thing that I'm going to ask you, and this one, I'm going to force you to answer this. <laughs> Who are you? Which rookie are you spending the most time with? Meaning that they have the biggest potential to make the biggest impact on this team. Because they're not going to make a big impact without you spending a little bit of time with them. Uh, I mean, if I'm making if I'm making a concerned effort on one particular player, I'm probably focusing on. And I know it's it's silly, but I mean, it would particular go to my first round pick, Patrick Queen, because one, you're gonna have the biggest investment in him. I was gonna yell at you if you didn't say Patrick Queen. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have the biggest investment in him financially. Two, he can make an immediate impact. He can be a day one starter yeah. on this defense, right? That's that was a position of dire need last year. And this is a guy that could potentially be a franchise type type linebacker. Yeah. Right. So we've heard comparisons from from some players with him in reference to Ray Lewis. Yeah. I mean, they're they're a little bit different in the way that they they play, style play their yeah. style of play, but he can have a big impact like a Ray Lewis has on a team, right? But so if I'm and putting all my marbles in one basket, that's the guy that I'm focusing on first. Yeah. Okay. That's I, I was some people. I, you know, when I kind of saw a similar question asked on on social media, I saw some people saying, "Well, you know, a guy like Duvernay, you know, or a guy like James Prochet." I think a lot of people get infatuated with the skill position guys, the wide receivers, the running backs. Because at first, when I first processed the question, my first thought was J.K. Dobbins because I, as, as critical as the running game is to this That's offense. That's just because you're an Ohio stuff, State fan. No, it has nothing to do with Ohio State. <laughs> it's as critical as the running game is to this offense. He can be a guy that can make another immediate big impact, both in the running game and the receiving game. He's also a guy that you can mark as potential, your potential future. Right. But as you mentioned earlier, that's a position of riches, right? You've got four four guys in there that are going to potentially get carries and that are going to have a. We said the role. rushing record last year. You're adding another guy to it. Yeah, exactly. make it a little bit better. Now there's their their numbers get a little thinner. Yeah, but yeah, I, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, those two guys, those two linebackers have a legit shot at coming in being a three down type linebacker coming in and making an immediate impact uh, on a defense that is star studded. And could potentially be one of the better defense, the best defense in the NFL. The other actually. guy that I heard on the offensive side of the ball was one that I thought about it. And I, somebody brought it up, and they, I thought, you know, it's actually they make a valid point, right? Ben Breedson. Yeah, Ben Breedson would be a guy, but there's also some other guys in there that there's a lot of the offensive line is is, is there's a lot of question marks as to how that's gonna, which is why that could be a guy that you could go you could go after and say this is your shot, this it, is your one shot. These other guys. Let's look at it. Dobbins is a future lock. He's not maybe not necessarily a lock to be the the number one running back this year. Your Pat Queen, he's your linebacker. He like you said, he can be a starter day one. Breedson's a guy that because there's such a question mark, we really truly feel like he could make an impact. Yeah. No, I, I do. I think Breedson's going to be an impact player. I don't know if it's going to be right out of the gates though, because very quickly through free agency and through the draft. Offensive line actually became a position of riches, right? Yeah. We have some depth yeah. there. When you and I were talking pre-draft, like that was an area of concern that we yeah, needed we to draft early, right? And I got nervous because we didn't take an offensive lineman early. We didn't take an offensive lineman until the middle rounds. I was say the fourth round, I think it was right. Right, and and that that made me a little bit nervous. But you know, there, 
Eric DaCosta, he won the Executive of the Year Award for a reason. There was a plan. There were pieces in place. And I think Breedson will make an impact this year. I do think he'll have a role in the offensive line. I just don't see him being an immediate starter. I think there are some... He's a rotational role. Uh, yeah, I think okay. there's going to be some shifting on the offensive line, some guys moving in positions uh, that, that will have starting roles over Breedson. Uh, but I do think... Uh, Breeson will have an impact in the future. I'm going to address uh, Steven. He says, I think JK won't need help. Already a superstar. Here's what I'm going to say to that. That's what Fred was saying. Don't be bigger than the game. Exactly. Because if I'm if I'm JK Dobbins and I'm sitting behind Lamar Ingram after the year that he had last year, I am, I am all ears on whatever Ingram has to say to me. As a leader... And a running back. Dobbins has the potential to be a superstar. You're absolutely right. But he was a superstar at the collegiate level. He has not taken a snap in the NFL yet. And the NFL is a completely different game. The speed is different. The offensive lineman speed yeah. is different. Like there's there's yeah. so much to that. That's why running backs typically aren't taken high in the draft anymore because you can find good running back depth, similar running back styles later in the rounds, well, and, and more, their shelf life is, is short. And because of that, more teams are – we're starting to see more teams do running back by committee. Right. You know, you don't have the these full load running backs anymore, and it lengthens he, their career in a sense, but it also – the money wise just isn't there for them anymore because they're not super, they're not as big of superstars anymore. He does not yeah, he won't have to be. He won't have right. to be a superstar this year. Down the road, another year or two from now, potentially he'll be that superstar level, but he doesn't need to be a superstar right now. Yeah. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's liquor stop brew of the week. And I finally got my <laughs> hands on one. It has been Ooh, far too long since I've had it, a beer in my hand. It has, uh, and I'm going to address real quick because I think uh, I think Deshaun's had a too many, too few, too many brews of the week because he asked if if we released Sam Cook or is that a rumor? What uh, do you think? I mean, come uh, on, man. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's got to be a rumor. I, I listen. There's I ways, don't know where you heard that. There's no way the Ravens are are getting rid of Sam Koch. To and the only reason they would get rid of Sam Cook is to is to actually make cap space. And there's other ways for the Ravens to create that kind of cap space. Sam Cook would not be the guy that they would release. He's still one of the best punters in the league. No, not at all. I don't all think right. that's true. So this week's brew comes from comes to us from uh, Monaki. Manakasi. Manakasi, thank you. Uh, now I have trouble with names. See, you Jeez. guys leave. And I, well, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Up I got to gotta be fair. I'm a Savorian actor, and a, the battle did happen out there anyway. All right. Go. Manakasi <laughs> Brewing Company. It's out of Frederick, Maryland. So it's, it's proudly brewed in Frederick. Uh, this is... And Jerry, he's trying to stick with the theme over there. Um, he gave us the their riot rye. Uh, it's a rye pale ale. Uh, that man's so, got a sense of humor on him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but so again, yeah, this was this is not picked out by us. No, we don't pick out any of our brew of the weeks. Uh, but it's not an IPA this week for sure. But this, no, I tell you what, this is a very this is quite smooth. It is. I was very surprised by this. And I think, Brian, you said this is, what, 6% when you looked it up? 6.2% APV. How did they get away, by the way, with not putting the alcohol content on the bottle? And isn't that, like, regularly? It's the yeah, only one I've like, ever known to have had that, too. I searched Weird. this thing all over. We searched the box for it. It's not on there. You had to literally Google search it to find out what the alcohol content is. I feel like that might be against, like, rules and regulations. Well, there I is mean, there are no rules for beer. Come on. <laughs> when it comes to this, they say unseat the crown. You have no idea what you're buying. Rules? There are no rules. They there say, are no rules. They say unseat the crown, start a riot. Uh, yeah. 
just what it, I'm reading the bottle, people. Oh, man. But no, make sure you go up to the liquor stop, Conowango Road. Uh, I know, just, shout out again to Justin. I let Jerry know, was able to kind of talk to him about Justin yeah. coming up there. It's awesome. Out of the Pasadena area. He was like so excited to hear that. Uh, so make sure you guys, if you guys are going, you know, a distance, make sure when you're up there and you're telling them Birdland, BSNG, especially, I know Jerry generally works uh, Monday to Friday. If you're going up there during the week, make sure to ask for Jerry. Tell him specifically that Birdland BSN, just tell him where you're coming from. If you're coming from far away, he wants to hear that stuff. He loves to hear stories like that of people coming up. He loved the story of Justin. He wishes you would have said something to him. Uh, you know, he would have hooked you up. But make sure you go up to the liquor stop. Mention Birdland BS. Get that 10% off your brew of the week. All right, Scott. It's time for some bros, bows, and O's. Uh, what O's? Yeah. It's June 2nd. I feel like we should be talking about potential all-star selections at this point. Who's going to be making I'm the all-star, all-star game? ballot right now? Right, like, all-star <laughs> ballots are getting you know stepped on all over the stadium. Breaking news: out. Chris Davis is leading the all-star ballot this year. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Ken Griffey. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Stick with the '90s references. Yes, I am. Damn it, <laughs> Ken Griffey, Frank Thomas. They're your top two leaders in the all-star ballot. There you go, Nick. We will post the brew name for you. All right, definitely will. You post it. I got it. So what's going on in the world of MLB and the Orioles right now? About that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a whole lot. I thought we had dead air there. I got worried for a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I should I should have like started mouthing and acting like I was talking. Uh, no, look, there, I struggled this weekend looking for stuff, um, but I did I did find some interesting things. Uh, one of it, which was an interview with Freddie Gonzalez. Who is a former major league manager for the Mar? He managed the Marlins for a little while. Um, the Braves. He managed the Braves for a little while as well. Yep. Um, but he was talking about in an interview. You know, they, they kind of asked him like, "What are what is your message to players right now in these Zoom calls? Because they're they're doing all these Zoom calls." And he basically said, "Look, I'm telling all my players to stay loose and be be ready, especially you know our pitchers, because as soon as we get the green light, we're gonna go." You know, if it happens, it's going to happen fast. Those were his exact exact words yeah. to his team and to his guys. Um, it's happy to hear that they're staying in touch as best as possible. But should they be doing more here? If MLB is allowing teams to get together, to practice, to go into team facilities and do things, I feel I feel like the Orioles should be doing it. Uh, because there becomes this issue of the competitive balance that we talked about with the NFL, right? right? The NFL has done a good job of kind of collectively holding the league down until all things are clear for all teams to be able to open up their facilities and all teams to be able to get it together and work out because it is, it is all time sensitive, right? It's not fair for certain cities and for certain teams in certain cities to get, early access and get more prepared and be more, you know, ready for a season than a team that's on the, you know, the East coast that's close to the epicenter of kind of where everything is right now that can't open, you know, open their doors to things. So if MLB is comfortable allowing all teams to get out and to, you know, to get back to baseball activities per se, right. I feel like the Orioles should figure out a way, whether that's in, it doesn't have to be in Baltimore. 
It could be in a, in, in their minor league in, facilities. Yeah. It could be in their you it's know in Sarasota sp spring spring training facility, right? In areas that would be a little bit safer for them to be able to do it. Well, and I think that's that's what I'm glad you brought up that point because this is right now. This is the Orioles' choice, right? Right. The MLB has opened it up to other teams. You know, floor, many Florida facilities. It's not just the the Orioles that had their facility could technically open. Right. There are many other facilities, Fort Myers, Orlando, Tampa area. Right. There are other teams that are already reporting. We've already heard reports. We talked about last week with Tampa Bay's reporting and having, you know, having guys come out for voluntary practices. Right. They can do it. The Orioles are choosing not to do this. And at some point, does the MLB need to step in here and go, all right, Orioles, you need to start doing something? I don't know. That's a. Uh... Or is it, or is it too much of a question mark? Because you don't even know if you're going to have a season this year, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, that's that's a tough call. I would think that if the the league was going to do anything, I don't think they're going to address specific teams. I think they're going to address the league as a whole. Uh, where if, like I said, if teams just aren't prepared or aren't in position to be able to do the things that need to be done, then that should be it's, consistent across the board. But here's the deal. It sounds like the Orioles aren't even, you know, I, I love my team, but it sounds like they're not even willing to do it. They have no immediate plans. They publicly have stated they have no immediate plans to open these facilities until they are 100% confident with health and safety. I'm sorry. I hate to break the news to the Orioles. Things are not going to go back to normal. Yeah. In a, for a while. Right. you got to work with the times. The MLB is putting out these different rules and regulations to help you with that. And it's like the Orioles aren't taking any of that into account. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I do think that the Orioles need to pony up and figure out a way somewhere. Like I said, if they got to find yeah. a you know, facility that they're comfortable with, if it comes down to facilities being the issue, then they need to do something. Because... If one team can figure out a way to do it and, and orchestrate it and make it safe for players and everybody and the personnel to be there, the Orioles should be able to follow suit. If it was one team like the Rays and nobody else was doing it, then fine. There's teams in Arizona doing it. There's other teams in Florida starting to do it. Right. The Orioles need to figure it out. You know, and, and talking about figuring it out, we, we talk about the uh, – Well, here, here's a quick question. How the hell is it the NHL hasn't figured it out, but the MLB hasn't? Somebody yeah. figure that out to me. NHL is ahead of the game. They're getting. I mean, they. I think they've had their cutoff. I think they've kind of figured out who's going to be in the playoffs and all that good stuff. But yet the MLB can't get out of their own way to figure this shit out. Yeah. My language. How well, how have they not figured it out? You've well, had plenty of time, but why is it the players players association? Well, as I say, that's, that's the problem. Is it's this, this disagreement between the two of them that you have? MLBPA is basically wanting you know full. I'm not going to say full compensation because it's not technically full compensation, but it's full prorated compensation. So basically, if they can get an 82-game season in, players they want get half 82 their... games worth of their pay. Right. They want 82 games worth of their pay. I, I understand that. But then you have the other side that the owner is going, well, if I'm doing that and I'm not making any money off this because I can't have fans in the stands – then I don't care. We're not going to have baseball till next season. And I understand that stance too because your contract that you negotiate with players is based on total revenue, right, from all avenues, right? You know how much your budget's going to be and how much you have to work because there's no salary cap in Major League Baseball. No. 
right? Yeah. So you dictate how much money you're going to spend on specific players based on how much revenue you're going to be bringing in. Right. So if that revenue is now cut, not just because of the, how many games were cut, but because there's not going to be any fans in the stands. There's no not going to be any concessions sold. No, there, no uniform sales. Right, whatever. Any, any yeah. of that stuff. All of that revenue is gone. This is money that is also passed along to the player in their contract. Right. That's why I, I just, I don't, this whole greedy notion of the player, the, the you know, Major League Baseball Players Association gets under my skin so bad is th these are rich athletes that some of the highest paid athletes in all of sports, by the way, next to soccer stars. Exactly. That it just greed is just pouring out of their skin with this. And it just it, it isn't a good look. Well, here's my other concern, too, is that you're trying to grow the game of baseball because we all know it is made it is suffering right now. Yeah, there's no sports going on. The NFL is not your competition because we all know the NFL is their biggest competition when the playoffs start for Major League Baseball. And right. they get crushed. Regular season NFL games just crush Major League Baseball playoffs. There's no competition. You could be the center stage right now. You could bring youth back to Major League Baseball, get the inner city kids excited to play baseball, and I feel like they're dropping a ball right now. And it sucks to see us because I don't know if baseball is going to be around in 30 years. Right, and that's what I was saying last week is that this is a critical time for baseball because baseball was already on – on the the outskirts of yeah. other professional sports, right? They've they've taken a back seat to the NFL, to the NBA. They're to the not, NHL as well. Right, yeah. exactly. They're not what MLB used to be 20, 30 years ago, right? So this has long-term implications because you've got a fan base that is already questioning whether they should go to games. Now they're focusing on other things. They're finding other things to do, and majority of those people will, probably won't come back. Recliner James has it. <laughs> I, I just want to say, if they don't get this together, it's going to be bad for baseball. 100%. Because all it's mostly all the top salary players are, are complaining and bitching yeah. about yeah. their money. I get it. But the white-collar people that go to work, they don't want to hear that shit. Right. At the end of the day, they're going to be fine. Even they were talking about even the they were going to pay the minor leagues a little bit more to to help out and then to justify the higher paid get less. Right. That's what they need to do, man. If you want to say baseball, they're going to have to do something. And if they're going to be like, oh, we're not going to play. That's fine. I, I don't need to go see them. Right. And then they'll have football yeah. right around the corner just sweeping them around. But but that's the, And you're the thing yeah. is you're a true baseball fan. Oh yeah. And you feel that way. Oh yeah. Think about all the fans out there that have been on the edge of whether they're going to go to a baseball game or not. Do you think they're going to have any interest in the going? The worst one that gets me is uh was it Blake Snell from Tampa? Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's bitching about it, but he's playing video games right now. Right. Right. And he's actually let's let's not let's not sugarcoat this. You know he's being paid to play video games right now. Yeah, he is. Like, shut up. Yeah, it's just it's just so annoying with all of this. And, and I think it, Nick says you guys are so right. You know, it, it just we've taken everything with the MLBPA. It's taken it to another level, and, and we're reaching a point. I, I think if we don't have a decision by my birthday, June fifteenth. There's not going to be a baseball season. I heard some proposal the other day, and I didn't get into the details of it. I stopped at 114 games. Yes. It's June 2nd. 114 game, including playoffs. It's 
It's June 2nd, <laughs> and they've done nothing to prepare for this at all. They had what? Uh, was, was it I mean, two uh, weeks of, of spring training that, that Chris Davis was like kind of lighting it up? What's your, problem, of that? what's your problem with 30 game playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit, like, no, it, it is. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, the about. Orioles would only lose ridiculous. 30 games, so, yeah. you know, that's not too bad. <laughs> Let's just throw these guys into doubleheaders pretty much every night look, and get 114 games and squeeze as much juice out of the lemon as we possibly can. Look, no, we wrong are, approach. We are we are literally on the cusp, if not by June 15th, if we don't have if we don't have a set way to, to structure this MLB season, we I will consider I personally We'll consider this an MLB strike for the 2020 season. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of strikes, Cal Ripken, right? We all remember Cal and him saving baseball in the late, you know, August. What was it? August of 94, early August of 94 to, to April, pretty much, is when the strike happened. Right. And his streak saved baseball because it was, we need to get this figured out or we're going to lose it. We have a prime, prime person right now. The biggest problem for MLB... You don't have anybody like that. Now. That's what I was saying last week is is between Cal Ripken's streak and the home run chase that happened a couple years after that, those two it just moments in time, moments in history are what put Major League Baseball back on the map. It's what those are the two incidents that single-handedly saved Major League Baseball, yeah. and we don't have anything like that going on right now. There isn't that big you know, audience drawler, that big crowd puller no. out there right now, they can barely put butts in the stands when things were normal. Well, and with everything with Cal, like, a lot of people don't realize it, but the other day, May 30th, 1982, was Cal's first game of that streak. Yep. Was it 38 years? 38 years ago. Yep. So this guy made an impact... 82 to 96, 12 years later, he made an impact that forever changed baseball because we don't know what baseball would have looked like or what baseball would have been if had Cal Streak single-handedly at the time in 94-95 yeah. not broken the stalemate between the MLBPA and the MLB on that strike. Yep. We don't have anybody like that, and that's what scares me right now. Go ahead, James. I think also if there's no baseball and it just sucks because of the coronavirus that you know it's in place but the owners had the upper hands on this right now and if there's a strike you might see a salary cap when they come back the owners might be like hey if you want to play baseball we're gonna to have to do a salary cap and then then those top players they're gonna be screwed yeah. but i honestly think if there's a strike the owners are gonna just sit back and be like okay we won't play and then if they say, we want to have baseball, the owners will be like, okay, we'll play, but maybe there's going to be a salary cap in place. And then you can get your money. Uh, see, right. the, the, the problem that you get with that, though, is, is that's, where, that's where you start getting into. When you get into that, you're going to start getting into guys that you're getting into replacement players, right? Because guys are saying, well, you're not going to honor my contract. I'm going to take you to court, right? Now you have... Uh, let's just assume every every team has one player that takes them to court because they're the highest paid player. Now you have 32 contracts in via, technically in violation of the contract. So 32 teams in violation of 32 contracts. Not to mention you're gonna the replacement players that you're gonna have are not gonna have the draw that your high end players have right. on the field. They don't have it now. 
you don't have it because because of the the, the situation. It's at the, the end of the day, the owners are going to win. I can't. I can't agree. They're going to win on this. That. I can't agree to that because if they agree, if they if they quote unquote win the way that you're saying they're going to win, it's exactly the situation that I told you would happen last week. I said if this goes to a stalemate and the the owners quote unquote win out. MLB, in my opinion, will be bankrupt in five years. We're already struggling to fill and the stadiums. Owner, and the owners are fine with that. But but the thing is, I'm fine with that too because I'm not. I'm gonna, a baseball fan. I'm not I'm a fine base, with the MLB I, going hey, away. I'm a baseball fan too. I love going there. I love the smell. I love the the crack of the bat. I love talking to my friends about. I love going to baseball games better than football. I can watch football all day long on my TV on my couch with a pizza and be fine. But baseball. I have to be in the stadium. But if if players are going to be like that, I don't need it and I don't care. Uh, and the rate and the rate of it, the average person watches is 56 years old. I get that, but that's your problem. That's your problem right there. My problems are the players. If they and some of them are saying I don't want to come back cuz I'm worried about the corona, this and that. That's all bullshit. It's money. It's all bull- mm-hmm. it's all at the end of the day it's the dollar. I do think, and I'm going to speak in on this as far as salary cap goes, I've always been a fan of Major League Baseball adapting a salary cap. I don't think salary cap will ever happen because the Players Association will never agree to it, but I do think that that there should be a salary cap in place, and it's for multiple reasons. Major League Baseball has been struggling for a very long time. And the reason that the NFL is as successful as it is is because of the competitive balance, right? Because any team, any given year, could turn around from a last-place team into a Super Bowl contender in one year because of how the salaries are constructed, right? Right now in Major League Baseball, we all know who the big players are going to be, who's got the the $200-plus million uh, payrolls, those are going to be the guys that are going to be in the thick of things. Does it mean that you're going to guarantee that you're going to win a World Series? No. But in a 162-game series, 162-game season, you're going to be in the thick of things at the end of the year. Right. So you can basically assume every single year you can predict out of the 32 Major League Baseball teams, you can name 15 teams, and I guarantee you, you will get it right out of those 15 teams, who will be in the playoffs come at the season end. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's a that's a prime example. You can't do that with the NFL. Yeah, it's and I I couldn't agree with more Nick more. He says Scott, oh, you've Jesus. never been more right. Uh, My head just got huge. God, Thank don't you, fluff Nick. his ego. No, I am never going to get him out of this buddy. basement. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> no. But look, I I James, I get what you're saying, but I guess ultimately when it comes down to it, I I just think MLB can't survive if that's the case, and I don't. Hold on. Can hold I on. live without baseball? Absolutely. Everybody can live without the things that we like and we love. But I don't think it's the right way to go for MLB. And I don't think if if that truly is the owner's mentality, look, F the owners at that point. F the owners. Screw the players. Now the owners are being more greedy than the players are. Because if you're willing to, to sacrifice your entire, your entire organization on saying, oh, well, if I got to pay my players a little bit more than I would like to, then I'm not going to do it. Now you're being the greedy asshole. I'm not not saying this, but there's got to be a balance. Oh, that's my point. There's got to be a balance. And right now, 
mostly the highest paid or the the so-called name of the franchise is saying this is what I want. I want my money, and that I get it. But you also sign the agreement saying per game. If there's no games played, the money's not going to be there. It depends because it depends on when they sign their contract. Not all of those contracts were signed under the agreement of per game. Salary caps in the NFL are dictated by revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's how it needs to be in the MLB, period. Which means that there needs to be a salary cap. And, and this yeah. is yes. exactly. Which I think we're all in There's agreement on that. Change. Which which is how the and NFL, I mean, the, the NHL changed as well. But the, That's how what my point is, is, like this is the MLB, fixed it. if you get to a salary cap, I want to see a salary cap. I'm not, I think we're all in agreement. We want to see a salary cap in the MLB. It would be in the best interest. The problem is, is to get there, you're going to have to go through replacement players. I'm sorry to say that. And I think that's kind of what James is saying. I think James is basically saying that that he's okay. That if we got to go a year, two years, three years, whatever it is, listen, if you got to go a year, two years, three years, whatever it is, without Major League Baseball talent to get what you need accomplished for the bigger picture, then you do that. I get that. That means you're going to have replacement players like you were just getting ready to say. Then so be it is is I think what James is trying I, to and say. And I get that. Is that what you were trying to say? Yeah. Okay, I get that. But my point is you can't sacrifice an entire season to get there. But I by mean, sacrificing the entire season, you know what you're you know what's gonna happen ne- next season? For the Orioles. Let's go with an example. You're gonna lose half of your season ticket holders. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't you can't sacrifice the season. Why why can't you sacrifice the season? Are you talking about from because an owner's this, hold on, from an owner's from an owner's perspective, are you talking about you can't do it, or from a fan's perspective? I'm talking both. about it from an owner's perspective. Okay, why? Because of the financial impact, or just let's not the, the one thing that we left out here, and I think you said it earlier. Brian said it earlier in the chat room. What's the one thing that hasn't been mentioned by the three of us yet that Brian mentioned? TV revenue, right? That TV revenue for Masson is out the effing door. We're lucky if the Orioles can survive. Uh, Another two years. You need to be able to have a star that's going to be able to draw that in. I'm not saying you pay Chris Davis by any fucking means. <laughs> what I am saying is these teams that have a Blake Snell. Tampa Bay can't draw shit as it is. You put a Blake Snell on the front page of the newspaper and Tampa Bay Times says, I want my effing money or I'm not playing. That's starting my fire with that paper. Right. And then you have your owner that turns around and says, fine, then no MLB. I'm fine with that. The fans in Tampa won't be. They're not there they're, anyway. They're, most that's the, the go, big but problem. The fan, but most of the people that go to that game are visiting, going on vacation, uh, barely down there anyways. They have nothing to do. Oh, I'll catch a game. My team's there. Or or I'm on, my, on business. And those, Let me treat them to a, a lousy arena to the, go see a game. And those fans go away because they're not even willing to do the same thing in their home arena because of the exact same reason. And that's fine. Do, wait, wait, wait. My, my, my hold, 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 hold on, hold on one second. Bay, Let me hold Tampa on one Bay second. Can go always to Montreal. I agree. Hold, hold on one second, right? So this, I'm going to kind of tie in a point that I had last week and I think the last two weeks, right? So we're all in agreement, all four of us. We all agree that there needs to be a salary cap in place. Yes. Okay? That's step one. We all agree to that. Step two, we all agree that the Players Association right now is not going to agree to a salary cap. Correct? Agreed. Agreed. Correct? Correct. All four of us agree to that. Okay. So we all agree that we want it, but in reality, the players are never going to agree to it right now. 
Okay, so we're all on the same page with that. From an owner's perspective, we know that now, right? I'm an owner. From an owner's perspective, I got to think, well, shit, if I want this, and I and I and this is the only way that I see MLB growing, right? Then I have to take a stance. I have to strike. I have to do this because for the betterment of the game, the long plan, long long term plan for the game, I have to do this. Okay, that's another step. That's step three. The next step is, well, shit. What am I going to do in the meantime to generate revenue? Right? I got to think of something outside the box. I got to think of something outside of the current contract situation that I have with the MLB Players Association. So I own these stadiums as an owner. I own the contracts, the TV contracts that I have. Hold and on I can, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Let me go down. Let me finish. I'm going to pause you for a second because that's actually not true. Not all owners in the MLB own these stadiums. Okay. The, okay. Or, right, but, the Orioles are not owned by Peter. But what I'm, ta- what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, all right, hold on, hold on. The owners, owners, 32 Collective. of them collectively, all agree to this stance, right? They all agree. All 32 owners agree that there needs to be a salary cap in place. We've already gone down this road. We all agree with that. All the right. owners agree to that. All the owners are going to say that, yeah, that's the next step in yeah. making us competitive again. So, okay, maybe all 32 teams don't have access to 32 stadiums, but all these 32 te- these 32 owners can then come together and say, okay, well, we have 25 stadiums out of 32 that we collectively own as a group, that we can do whatever the fuck we want in these stadiums, right? Then you start thinking of those out-of-the-box scenarios. You're looking towards revenue sharing. You're looking to right. You're looking towards other ways that we as 32 owners can still make money without the players making anything right now unless they agree to our new scheme, our new set of rules, this new plan that we have. Like I said last week, there's creative ideas, right? They could do something like Top Golf, right, and, and create these different, like, events, these different things that would generate right. TV revenue and that maybe fans, if allowed, could come into these stadiums and watch, right? Hold so on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, on just let me finish. Let me blow so a hole in your, in your well, argument let it, let here. Let finish, finish and then you go. They bring that revenue in. So the owners collectively are still bringing in something, but you know who's not? The players that are whining, the players that are bitching, the players that are staying out that aren't making any money because they're not playing. Eventually, if that's one year, if that's two years, if that's three years, whatever it is, the owners are still going to have this new product, whatever it may be. They're still going to be bringing in money, so they're going to be okay. The players will come around because there's no other. We agreed. We all agreed. There's no other way for it to happen because the Players Association will never agree to it in the current situation. Okay. I'm going to blow a hole straight through your whole freaking argument right there. Who the hell are you going to get to come to do these events? Anybody that wants to get paid. So if you're if nobody you're opening, wants to watch, I'm sorry, Fred, but nobody wants to watch you and I, except for maybe our I'm fans. I'm not talking about you and I. But hold on, I'm, I'm trying to get a Triple point across. I'm players, trying, I'm trying to up. get a point across. Thank you. You're not going to have somebody. Are you really willing to say that that the MLB as a whole would be willing to see a bunch of AAA players Whoever. go out and do these events? Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yep. Wrong. That's not what sells. No. It's a totally different game. It's a you totally different sell- game. On, no. Hold on. You know what sells in MLB right now? Shohei Otani sells. 
Mike Trout sells. David Price sells. None of these guys sell long-term right now because the game is falling apart. Bryce Harper's not selling anymore. How's he None doing with that None of these guys are doing anything because the game itself it's, is falling apart. It's still... Hold on a second. Uh, right now, in that argument, and in society, a name still means something. Joe Schmo from the Baltimore Orioles is not going to draw there's, in revenue. There's, there's nothing... Hold on. There's also nothing stopping from these owners putting out invitations, new contract offers to everybody who says, hey, if you want to come into this new game, there this is, new though, No, there's not. There is the MLB, the, the MLBPA and the, the agreement between MLB and PA, because what you have there, you, ha, you have a potential. You have a serious potential. If that's the argument that you're trying to make, you have a serious potential for it. For, I forget what the wording is, but if... I can go purge somebody else's contract. If that's what you're saying. It's not in the same it's not in the same sport. No, it's it is. It's not. Because like I said, this whole venture, this whole new venture that they're doing is something completely out of the world. I'm not talking about replacement baseball. I'm not talking about doing a whole nother league and having triple A players come in and do another league. I'm talking about other creative ways. Like we talked about last week. I said like the old videos of some of these guys doing home run derby competitions, whether it, whatever it can be, there's people out there with much more creative minds than you and I that will come up with ideas and ways to generate revenue. But you have to have... In order for those things to be successful, nine times out of ten, you have to have names behind them. If you had, hold on, let me, but it's let, a let me, new, on, it's a on, new thing. Hey, hey, so hold, none of these players have names yet. Hold on a adapt, second. Adapt and create women's softball. <laughs> maybe, maybe, tend, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Women's softball concerts and maybe UFC fighting. Bring maybe you're right. The there you go. But here's the deal. The MLB doesn't actually own half their stadiums. In fact, half the stadiums are owned by Correct. city munic municipalities and stadium authorities. I think the Yankees own theirs. There's only, I want to say, I, I, say I that's, correct that's me if true. I'm, you might have to look it up. There may be, may Boston be 12 teams that mm -hmm. own their stadiums out of, out of 32 teams. It, it, what do you say? 12? 12. They also own minor league facilities as no, well. No, they do not. The minor league facilities are owned by the Frederick, Frederick the Orioles own Zero of Ooh. our minor league systems. I mean, not minor league Hold systems. On. The uh, the the just, spring training facilities. We we do not own that. We we lease we lease Sarasota. Ed Smith Stadium. Look up is look up the Sarasota. statistics Hold on. on it. Hold on. I, I just saw a statistic that said that thirty two or thirty MLB teams actually own their stadiums. Or 30, 30 out of the thirty-two 30, teams own own their own stadium. Thirty of the teams or thirty of the owners. There's a difference Hold here. On. I believe it was the owners. Hold on, let me let me what, verify that. While, okay. While he's doing yes. this, what, what, uh, what, what did do, they do, say do, about do. the draft? Skip the draft this year? They're, they're no, it's it's that? a it's a five round draft is what they're thinking this year. Five years. Yeah. So so it's going to be much round. much much shorter. Uh, long story short, look, I, I get I get what you're saying. My my point is is. You're hinging on a lot of what ifs that don't include people that are big name. When 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 new ventures succeed, it's a lot of times because, excuse me, of big names and backing of big names. If you're doing a sport like MLB, and you're gonna you, whether you're doing talent, you know, talent or it's you know hitting the ball. There's targets on the field. I'm just saying there are people out there that have creative minds that can come up with backup plans. Like like they, these guys just said, they just spat off a bunch, a bunch of good ideas. There's ways to bring in revenues hold, for the, right, uh, right, for the I'm gonna, owners. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to double down on this for a second, and I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not trying to be a jerk about this. 
but I want a clear response out of both of you, since both of yeah. you especially have said this. How's WNBA doing? Okay. My point They're is still the around. It, it's still around, but it's not a revenue maker. It makes money to be around. Breaking they're even. Bring, is, they're bringing a new new uh, new team in. I think um, I forget what city's getting. They're getting a new uh, women's NBA. Right, but how long has it been around in order to do that? I don't know, like twelve years. It, we're getting to a point, and now you can do that twelve years later. But at the end of the day, the owners are gonna be fined. The players are not gonna be because the owners have other business ventures exactly. outside. Build, of build me another plan. If you, we all agreed that a salary cap is crucial to the agree uh, to to the growth. The owners of the Major play. League Baseball, the future. I think of Major there, League I Baseball. personally think there's a compromise between what the players want of their full salary and what they want. They're saying we're only going to pay you for the. You're number. talking. You're talking about for for this year. Yeah. I'm talking about for the future growth. But of if you baseball. don't figure out this year, you cannot talk about next year. I'm sorry. You got. If you, okay, that's but what they're, you're they're two about. different. They're two different arguments. I'm not asking you. They're that. Not, not two different. Ar- they, they are two different they arguments. They aren't. I'm not asking it, about this season. I'm not asking about this season. This season is going to have to be. It is what it is. A salary cap is not going to happen this season. All I'm saying is, you. We all just took a poll. We all just agreed that for the future growth of Major League Baseball, a salary cap needs to be implemented because it's worked in all the other sports, and Major League Baseball is falling behind. We all agree to that. So what I'm asking you is, think beyond I'm, this year. Think fine. beyond this. Then I'm going to do a tiered salary cap that's not in place where I where I actually want it to be until eight years from now. The Players Association won't agree to it. Eight years from now, yes, they will. Okay, I, I don't agree I, to that. They won't agree to it. That's my point is the owners have to take a stance. And it's going to be a stance that us to, as fans aren't going to agree with it has to and aren't going t- to like. It has to be a tiered system. The majority of your players in the system right now benefit the most from it. To it. How, do you think, how do you think salary caps in the NFL work? I'm sorry, Fred. If the salary caps in the NFL do not work of, here's a number, let's go. When the salary cap started in the NFL and in the NHL, for that matter... It's one of those things that the salary cap started at a higher number than what the what the owners actually wanted to be at. You no, t- I, under, I understand t- that, but that's what I'm saying. You concede more now to get more back later. That's what it comes down to. That is business. If I put more money in now, I will get more in return later. Because if I have a plan that's a tiered system down, I understand I that. But again, work. the players have to agree to that. I think there is I think there is a salary cap right now that could go into place for Major League Baseball. It may it will not be friendly to the owners for the next 2 years. But it will be friendly to the owners in 5 years. Because it's a tiered I under, system. Like, I understand what you're saying. That's that's how a, sal- a salary cap is implemented. But what, what, what I'm saying is those ideas aren't new. These ideas have been pitched already, and the players' associations haven't agreed to it. The players' association, so you understand, the players' association has never agreed to a salary cap because the owners want to limit the salary cap to basically an NFL or NBA-style salary, or not NBA, NHL-style salary cap. They want it so low that it, it, it takes what players are making now and drops it in half. Is that Am I fine with that? Personally, yes. Are the players? I get why you're saying, no, we're not taking a pay cut in half for next year for the same thing I did last year. I get that. It needs to be a tiered system. That's how it works. But the MLB owners and the MLB player stations are both too greedy to go either way. Yeah. 
So I get, at the end of the day, Scott says who's going to come because of uh, the Mike Trout's or not. The Orioles don't have no Mike Trout. I don't care. I go there because I love baseball. The I problem, love the smell of it. I don't care who's there. I just enjoy it. I like going out there with Fred. The and problem the time, is, hold on. Half the time, if I go out with Fred or I go out with Brian, I probably watch maybe like ten percent of the game because I'm too busy bullshitting, drinking, having a good time with my friends. Oh, here, oh, here's something happens. But if I go with my family or whatever, I'm enjoying it. But at the end of the day, I still enjoy going there. So I don't care whose name it is. The problem is, and the Orioles will be fine with their bringing their minor league up there because right now it's it's four A for the, the problem Orioles. Is, the difference is. With that, James is, you're you're a baseball fan first, which is why you go to the game. Yeah. And then if you're there with friends, it takes your mind off the game a little bit. We all get like that. Yeah. The problem is, is we had seven thousand fans show up to a game last year. Lowest in MLB history. You get rid of half those, which are season ticket holders, by the way. You don't have enough revenue coming into those games. To be able to support it. And if you don't have... Look, we do the Orioles have a name right now? No. I get that. But there's prospects. There's uh, Trey Mancini, while some people may say he's not a name, he's a name. Right? He's a name to a Baltimore fans. And there'll be more names coming up. But you got to get them there. You have to have fans that are there when they come up. If the fans are not there when they come up, the fans will not show up. That's why it works so well with Manny. Because Manny came, Manny came up... At the right time. If Manny comes up earlier or he comes up now. But Manny Manny got paid because of Baltimore because in St. Louis, I mean, in um, San Diego, he's not the man in, in Saint, uh, San Diego. That's his own damn fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, it's time for a social media shout out. I have not been paying attention to the chat room a whole lot tonight. So been a long show. Who's little, been out there? I got a little distracted myself. So I do got to make a correction because there was about a couple Google searches I was able to do on who actually owns a lot of the MLB stadiums. Yeah. It's a lot of municipalities. It's a lot of random like third-party groups. It's not – and, I mean, I did the bigger. So I did the Yankees. I did Boston. I right. did even the Orioles. Uh, a lot of them were owned by third-party companies uh, or the municipalities. So that is my fault. Uh, I looked at the wrong statistics. Did you find a number on it? I could not find a number uh, okay. on it. But right. I, I, it w- I would venture to say that almost all of them, I would say about 80%, okay. were owned by third company, so right third-party companies, about- <laughs> or they were owned by the municipalities that, that the stadiums belong to, like Baltimore. Baltimore yeah. is owned by the, right. basically the municipality. Right. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. basically Same, same thing for, for New York and, I believe, Boston as well are, are the same. Contracts Correct. up next year. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Correct. They can move. <laughs> let's not start. Let's not start. Shut that. up, All James. Right. <laughs> let's not. Start. I'm really gonna, I'm gonna run that list real quick. Hole. So Jamal, Jessica, Justin, uh, Stephen, OG, Ray, Jack. Uh, you're a new one. Uh, thanks for joining Appreciate in. Uh, Deshaun, uh, Nick Short, who I think had the best comment of the day, and I got to repeat this, and you guys are gonna hate me for it. So Nick Short said earlier in the show that Fred, can we get on with the weekly issue? When is AB going to be a Raven? I think we need to get him a, uh, a six pack of the Bro of the Week for that that's, one. That's or, his daily chime in, or, his weekly or, chime in. Or as what I'm thinking is get him a T-shirt that says it on. Yeah, <laughs> at this point, it's just AB to be more. Sammy Valo said something. Said keep Judon. I like what he brings, and from what I've seen, his teammates love him as well. What is your take on that? Do you think he's a? I, I 100% want to keep Judon, but you got to get a contract worked out, right? It's, 
sixteen million dollars a year under the franchise tags not going to work. You got to you got to work at a deal that's kind of a little bit backloaded because again, this money's going to shift from defense to offense, and it's got to come somewhere. So, and uh, we addressed this earlier. I got two more comments. I said, Fred, you are on, or uh, yeah, was it Fred or Scott? I said, Fred, you are on the spot about your Ravens talk. So, touche to you, sir. And Deshaun to this one, yo, is it true that we were going to release Sam Koch or is that a rumor? Yeah, we, we talked about that earlier. We, we, we but, talked about that earlier, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think that that has any come, truth to it. Come on. I almost feel like that. Come on, man. What the <laughs> hell are you, what are you listening to out there? That's all I got for you guys right now. Yeah. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys, time for some shell and tell, some Terps talk, which right now, not a whole lot going on in the Terps world. I know we talked a little bit about uh, prior to the show. ESPN kind of did this whole documentary series on MJ and the Bulls. Well, ESPN is striking home locally as they're putting together a 30 for 30 show on Len Bias called Without Bias for Sure Thing to What If. Uh, Len Bias obviously played. That's a great title, by the way. Yeah, awesome. it is. He, he played in an era that was a little bit before our time, so we didn't get a chance to really appreciate what he brought as a Terp. But, I mean, obviously it's well-documented. We've seen all the highlights. We've we've heard right. all the comparisons and whatnot of him to Jordan and the matchups that they had. Now, granted, they played two totally different positions. Uh, but this is one that I think is uh, must-see TV. I think I, I'll definitely be tuned in for this. I'll be tuned in for this because, obviously, it being local. And they're kind of doubling down on this as as tonight as we speak. I believe it. I don't know what time, how long it was. Uh Probably ending in about a half hour or so. Starting at 8 o'clock, they did the Maryland Terrapins versus the North Carolina Tar Heels in the 82 game when the Tar Heels were number one and we upset them. Yeah. I think it was like 77-76 or something. I think it was like the final score in that yeah, game. Yeah, they overcame a mm-hmm. double-digit deficit, I yeah. remember, right and in that game. Len had 35 points in that yeah. game. Yep. Uh, he was a beast. Beating MJ. Yeah. So, now, granted, they play different positions, so it's hard to compare the two. But when you talk what MJ was to the NBA and and his legendary status, right? We've we've kind of beat that dead horse for the last ten weeks since this documentary started. People compare him to MJ's type elite level, not in comparison to how they played one on one against each other, because it's not a fair comparison. They played different positions, right? But his elite status. And what he would have brought to the NBA, uh, he would have just been another one that was in the conversation for one of the greatest players of all time, more than likely. But uh, unfortunately and very tragically, uh, we didn't get to, to see that. Yeah, it really it really stinks. I, I'm really excited to see how they approach this this 30 for 30. They've been doing a good job with some of these 30 for 30 lately. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just the docu-series that we've, that we've seen across the board. So. Really excited to see how they they uh, they approach this and kind of take this moving forward. So yeah, for you Shell and Tell fans out there, for those that don't know, I do a, uh, a Terps only audio podcast and now video. Uh, Shell and Tell, check us out on YouTube. Make sure you hit subscribe, uh, hit like. We are working on a podcast right now. Another episode. We just did an interview, an awesome interview with four. I guess you could say former Terp <laughs> uh, Ellis McKenney, offensive lineman, four year player uh, at Terp. Uh, you know, for the Terps. 
Dude, it was it was it was so fun. Uh, thank him again for having the, the show. show. That was really good. Yeah, it's super insightful, both on both on a personal level uh, and obviously on a team level. They're really really good interview. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. That should be coming out later this week. Yeah, uh, Ryan, for you out there, welcome to the dark side with the video. <laughs> it looked good though. He showed us it, it looked good, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so a, a little bit of more Terps news uh, this week was the story about two guys from the basketball team from 20, I think it was what? It was 2016 to 2017, right? Am I right with that? With uh, 24, 2014 to 2018. Well, that was, that was Nickens. So that was that was Jared Nickens and then Jayla Brantley, who, who played one year from yeah, 2016 to 2017. Um, and then went up transferring out of... Well, Maryland. he transferred into Maryland, and then he transferred out of Maryland. I think he ended up at UMass. But during that run, the two of them made, you know, they had this dance. There's a, you can find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. They, like, they're in a chair. They're sitting in, in the, the locker room. They back the chairs up, and they start doing this dance. I think this is back when, like, Vine was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I before, mean, like, the, you it, know. Before TikTok. TikTok yeah. videos and it, all that. Is it weird, is it weird to say. anybody in this room to say Vine was a thing five years ago, and now we're talking about it like I it's... miss Vine. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very much similar to TikTok. It was TikTok it, before TikTok in a lot of ways. It, it was. It was. But uh, they uh, they went pretty pretty viral with this. Yeah, they so they went, they went viral with it, and... It apparently made its way semi into the game Fortnite. Never personally played it. Know a lot of people that have, and they can attest to this. That there is like a little dance that some of the characters do in Fortnite that kind of resembles it. So they they filed a lawsuit against the company Epic Games that owns Fortnite. That is the creator of Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Um, it was filed in February of 2019. Well, this morning. A judge completely dismissed the case, saying they basically have no case here. It is absolutely, you know, absurd to say that, you know, it's based off that. It's a video game. It's not like you're it's not like it's your likeness. You didn't sit there and go through and copyright this dance or anything like that. You right. have no claim right at this point. Um, it's expected they, they may potentially uh, do an appeal. We'll have to see. Um, it, it came from uh, a Maryland district judge, Paul Grimm, uh, who basically just is saying like the files that were that were claimed against them do not violate the Copyright Act um, because a you didn't have a copyright on the dance and b it came before it, the dance even happened. Hey, I mean, at the end of the day, who cares if they, <laughs> if they thought they had a chance in well, in getting some you know some sort of compensation out of it? I don't have a problem with them doing I, it. I get it, but here. Here's my if this is big name guys, I maybe get it, right? I feel like these guys were just trying to make a nickel a little bit. And, and I, I hate to poke at that, but let's look at this, right? Nickens was with Maryland from 2014 to 2018. Yeah. He had one NBA tryout, mm-hmm. one G League tryout, and then wound up signing in the Canadian League. Okay. Not the biggest name in the world. So because not, he doesn't have a big a big name means that he can't file suit for something that he started? I think it's a stretch. You're I filing mean, suit in 2019 for something that happened in 2016 that you're saying, oh, this uh, we created this dance. It, I mean, I don't you know. You have no it proof. Was, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm being realistic yeah. here. 
You have no proof that you were the one that, that created this. How the hell we know you didn't rip this off a guy? He, that, he was on the Ellen show. They were on the Ellen show. Ellen pulled them in because they were the originators of it. They were not. They, there was no guarantee that they were originators of it. It's because their video went viral. That's the only reason. <laughs> That's well, like the Carlton too. So what? I mean, they, they, just because your video, Fred, just because your video goes viral doesn't mean you created something. Then, then somebody else would have taken a course of action. If this would have ever gone, if this would have ever gone through, somebody else would have taken a course of action against mm -hmm. them. I don't have a problem with them going through it. They got shot down. Whatever. It's no, it's no big deal. Yeah. They went after it. Maybe they were trying to make a quick buck. Whatever you want to, however you want to judge them for it, but. I mean, they put they put the University of Maryland on the map for you know from for a for a national a standpoint, standpoint from well from a Vine standpoint, and they went on to the Ellen Show, which Ellen's a very popular show. I it mean, is. They, and they're there in their Terps gear, like that was that was a good look for the university, especially in a in a tough time. I, I get I get what you're saying. I just don't think I think the the lawsuit for a dance was a stretch. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. People is, sue for dumb shit all the time. All the time. And they win. Not saying it's right. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, like I said. We're, we are too sue happy in this country. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Uh, but, all right. So, moving moving right along. I know there was a recruit that you were kind of talking about uh, pre-show that the, the Terps were able to get and yet another commit that we get added to the list here. Yeah, another uh, another Terps. defensive lineman, another local defensive lineman for the 2021 class, Terrence Butler uh, out of St. Francis Academy. This is another guy. He's going to be a, a, a defensive end. I think he, he came in as a three-star from 247, so not quite the four-star level that some of these other guys have. But, man, these guys are going to be absolutely stacked on the defensive line. And – it's great, and it's it's. And I told you before, it, it starts in the trenches on both sides of the ball, so it's it's great. But I do think that I want to start to see a little bit of shift on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, last year for the 2020 class, we landed uh, Rakim Jarrett, you know, the right. big wide receiver recruit. Uh, we did get to you know Talia as well, you know, transferring over. We got a few running backs that I'm kind of excited about. Some three star guys that I'm excited about. But I would like to see some of these bigger name you know, offensive linemen, some of these bigger name wide receivers make their commitment and really start to invest in that. And, side. and Ryan yeah. brings up something that I, I know that we, you kind of mentioned, I think you forgot to mention is that there's a lot of talk. Of yeah. He'll be, he'll be a hybrid between a defensive end outside linebacker. He could, he could go down and, and put his hands in the dirt or he can stand up. He's a versatile right. athlete. He, he's a very, he's, he's, he's very athletic. Uh, he's very quick off the ball. So, to Ryan's point, could very easily see him lining up as an outside linebacker. All right. It is time for this week's rundown. Another hodgepodge of topics this week. Yeah. Uh, let's start it off with news that broke today, uh, which was this morning. Notre Dame, Notre Dame football uh, got in and Navy announced that they will not play in Ireland. They were scheduled to play in Ireland this year on August 29th. They are not going to play that game in, in Dublin, Ireland. They are actually going to to kick it off at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis on Labor Day weekend, most likely there. Uh, it sounds like they're going to keep the same time. So big piece there because historically this has always been played at usually at Navy Marine. I think once they did it at M&T, if I remember correctly, I know they did an Army-Navy game. I think they did a Notre Dame-Navy uh, game there as well. Right. Uh, but this year they were planning to go across the pond. Obviously, Corona kills that. Yeah, not happening. 
And I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I think we saw this happen with the NFL as well. They, you know, they canceled all half of the Jaguars games that were supposed to be overseas. Uh, and they're now going to be back on this side of the uh, other side of the globe. Uh, so this was just kind of, I think, coming. I don't think this was, you know, a surprise at all. Um, so, yeah. Not yeah a lot it is to, what it is. Kind of is what it is. Uh, in UFC... I don't know if you saw this. John Bones. Oh, your boy. John Bones, man. Your the boy. dude can't freaking <laughs> stay out of the bad side of the news when it comes to UFC and his career. Like, he was so promising, and I was such a big fan of his early on in the day. Still, in my opinion, one of the most dominant fighters to ever step hey, in the ring. Dana White says he's cage. the best fighter in UFC history. He is. He is. But him and Dana White. Not on speaking terms right now. No. Going at each other. Jones wants a better contract. Dana says, how about you keep your shit together? <laughs> yeah, right. And how about you stay off the sniff sniff? Uh-huh. Yeah. And how about you stay off the stab stab and, and the all the other things and everything else that you're doing, all the wrong things that you're doing before you come at me is to start demanding a bigger contract and more money. Stop. Well, the, the, the best part about this is Jones has claimed that the UFC is ruining his image. And Dana White came out this week and said, um, pretty sure John Bones Jones has done enough ruining of his image on his own that he doesn't need the UFC's help. He He's saying that he wants, like, Dante Wilder-type money. Da- Dante <laughs> Wilder, it, like, why do you think Conor McGregor ended up going over and fighting Floyd Mayweather, Right. The, the the boxing structure and the UFC structure, pay structure, is completely different. Do you think if Conor McGregor, especially at the time, if Conor McGregor can't get that kind of money for his fights that are, you know, that are drawing some of the, the biggest pay-per-view events in history, do you think that John Bones Jones, with all the strikes that he's got against his name, has any kind of grounds to stand on for this type of demand? No. If you want Dante Wilder money, well, train to be a boxer and go get you know your license to be a boxer. Then. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous to think that this is even you know even in the talks, and the the two of them are going at words. And basically, Dana White's been like, like, um, who was it? Uh, Jones says that he wants out of his contract completely. And Dana's like, nothing's stopping him. He can go do whatever he wants as long as it's not mixed martial arts. Right. Because I guarantee you. See ya. Ain't nobody going to, ain't nobody but the UFC going to pay John Jones what he's getting paid right now. Nope. Except for maybe boxing. And if you want to go, you want to go face off against Deontay? Cool. Right ahead. Because you're going to get your ass kicked. Yeah. It didn't go very well for Connor. No, it did not. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Brian, you brought up the NHL earlier. And, you know, you talked about them getting it right. Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly this week uh, said that players are going to be tested daily if games start happening. I think this is the absolute right move. It shows that you're putting the players first, something the MLB should do. I'm pretty sure it's what the KBO is doing, right? Like before they're allowing anybody into the facilities, they're testing them. And that's gone well so far. Yeah. Why wouldn't I think all professional sports should be doing temperature checks? You know, Corona checks, swabbing, it's, all it's of it. everything. I mean, there's tests out there that, that takes five minutes. Okay, here, good. Don't get out of your car. Let's swab you. I'll let you know if you're good to, if you get the green light. Right. This is I. I don't know. This is something that should be adapted across the board, and I don't think that's even up well, for debate. Well, and the the cost of it too. I mean, 125 dollars. Uh, you know, it, it's gonna each for each test. The league commissioner uh, Gary Bettman uh, says that it's gonna be a huge investment. 
Uh, he estimates 25 to 35,000 tests because they're not just testing players. They're testing anybody walking into a, yeah, into a personnel, facility. all of that. Yep. Exactly. They're testing all of them. That's what they're going to need to get through the playoffs. So the price, on, price tag on that, he's saying, is going to be a few million dollars. Right. For a billion-dollar industry? Okay. Yeah, and and I and the money that I think the NHL, the NHL is already becoming one of the more popular sports in professional sports, right? Oh, yeah. They they've been on the upper trend for a long time, right? It, and we just we sat here and debated for an hour about MLB. More than likely, the MLB probably won't have a season this year because they won't be able to get on the same page. Right. So if MLB is not going to have a season, this is prime time pickings for the NH- NHL, NHL just comes to in, just yeah. keep skyrocketing. And not only that. The best NHL you will get will be playoff hockey. 100%. That is oh, yeah. the most intense. To me, the best playoffs you get outside of the NFL is NHL hockey. Because, I, man, I they agree are putting on the line in and out. And, by the way, swabbing in, uh, NHL players would be quite easy, but I don't have any teeth, by the way. <laughs> throw that out there, you know. That's very dentures. true. Just take your dentures out, take a swab, you're good to go. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of athletes, though, uh, I know we touched on it earlier about, you know, everything that's kind of going on right now from – that you know the the this the political standpoint as far as everybody kind of taking a stance against the the police brutality and the violence and everything. What we're actually seeing lately, though, is we're seeing a lot of athletes take a stance, and I think this is, in my opinion, this is a good thing, right? This is these are the people that have, I think, that what we talked about earlier. You know, who's going to be that singular voice? Is it a guy like a, a you know a Colin Kaepernick that's going to be the next person that that is that yeah. social activist? And- Athletes need to use their stage for the betterment of causes and like this, and it's good to see. I don't want to necessarily go down a rabbit hole, but it, it, like you know, the the difference. Some people are making the comparison. You know, Colin did this before, and now these players are doing it now. There, I will point out that there is a little bit of difference. These players are doing it off the court, off the field. Colin tried doing it on the field. That was the big. That's the biggest difference between the messaging, right? So, not saying either way is right or wrong. Yeah. But I am saying there is a difference of, of why they're created so much angst before versus now. And these players are really going at it. You know, J.R. Smith, uh, you know, who is well-known NBA player, yeah. he was out in L.A. and his car was hit by looters and protesters. They broke out his back window of his truck. I saw. And what did he do but apparently chase this guy down and actually beat him up? Yeah, and good for him. Yeah, I have no problem. Take the athlete out of it. Put in the you know the human aspect of it. If somebody is damaging my property, my car, my you know coming after my family, whatever it may be, I'm going into defense mode. I'm protection, going into protection yeah. mode. This is again as much as I stand for the cause, as much as I stand for the the ideology of what's going on and the bigger picture of what's going on. I don't stand with the looting and I don't stand with the rioting. So I have no problem with, with J.R. Smith. Yeah, did. Uh, agreed with that. Agree with that. Um, you also have MJ, right, who's using his last dance attention to get out there. And now he's he's putting out hashtag call for change. Yeah. Right. He, he's putting out the call for change there. So he's using his I'm not going to say his, his new foul platform because it's not a new foul platform, but his his renewed platform with fans and the nostalgic fans he's using that to then you know help this cause as well right right so you see him getting out there um one cool video that i thought was really interesting to see um 
was not just a protest, but the other side of it, right? Uh, of the, the looters. We talked about J.R. Smith and, and beating up the looter, but Lonnie Walker out off the Spurs. He's the guard for the Spurs. He went out and actually in San Antonio cleaned up some of the graffiti, some of the he was out there cleaning up some of the gla- the broken glass in San yeah. Antonio. So you have something like that. Some of these guys not just stepping up and being a vocal voice on that side, but you also have them being on the other side of like we can't do this. We need to stick together and let's let's be a community and clean up and and, and fix this right. right? Fix, it, fix it systemically and fix what's already happened that shouldn't have happened. Right. Right. So it, it really it, it's nice to see. And then you get you know guys like Jalen Brown, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who lead a pro- peaceful pro- protest in Atlanta. Um, uh, speaking of Atlanta, like the peaceful peaceful protest that you just mentioned, great. But uh, I was actually talking to Ryan about this. We, it's funny how similar him and I are in a lot of the ways that we think. We must have gone down the same Twitter path at basically the same time and had like very similar thoughts on stuff. But we both came across a post at a very similar time. We were we were about we were texting each other at the same time about the same thing. And I saw that they destroyed the college football Hall of Fame yeah. in Atlanta. And, I, man, that just – that irked me to another level. I mean, listen, watching all these these buildings burn, targets and whatnot, and these small businesses and seeing these people cry and all that stuff, it's it's awful. And to know, like, what how they're being impacted and these people that had jobs and incomes that they and were – And now don't. And now yeah. don't, right? All of that stuff affects me, and, and, and it, it, it's sad to see. But there was something about, like, just the 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 memories that are in that the stadium. History. The histories. The memorabilia that's not replaceable. Yeah. Not replaceable. Like, that's decades and decades that's and your, decades of history. You're inner sports fan. Right, right there. I mean, that's that's what that is. Oh man, that that tugged at the heartstrings. That was tough to see. Yeah, real it, tough. It's, to see. it's tough to see. You know, speaking of college football, right? A guy you know, you're an Ohio State fan, mm-hmm. Seth Towns. Uh not football though. He's basketball. I, well, but I'm I'm talking about just in college college general college sports, right? I, I say college football. I'm in college sports. He gets detained in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, because he's out there protesting. He's he's released. You know, it was afterwards. But he just got done graduating. Harvard. Harvard Law School. To then turn around and be accepted. Great interview that they did with him of like, I'm proud of both things. Yeah. Right? He Because it's on video. He, he, he went peacefully. He was peacefully protesting. They took it to the next level. Right? In Columbus. It, it sucks. It's there. The video is there. You can see it. Yeah. But it just it, all these athletes. And I think, you know, Craig says it really well. Celebrities only can gather together to tell all their political leaders to change everything wrong within the system. And that's, you know, people that have a voice, people that have the ability to speak out. You know, it, it's good that they do. Yeah. Um, you know, some some pick the wrong timing on things. But right now is the right timing for a lot of people, you know, and that. Now's the time that people should be speaking out, but when they when they aren't, right, that's a problem. When you're speaking out when you shouldn't be and you're not speaking out when you should be, tells you all you need to know about somebody. And now it's time for the two minutes warning. <laughs>
All right, Scott. It's time for the two minute warning. By the way, that's a YouTube violation. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we got again, again, we just got ding. Triggered yeah. up. Yeah. I'm going to get that ding. That is for sure. Oh, man. Even All right, Brian, you've got the questions over there. All right, gentlemen. Off. Are you ready? So, Zion Williams is fighting the NCAA. Uh, inquiries into improper benefits. Go figure. Yeah, he took it to the Florida court and this morning was denied his request to stay discovery or neutral on the matter. He is expected to file an appeal now. How How is his uh, PR agent not going or not explaining that not explaining that this makes things look worse? All right. Start the timer. Sorry, All right. Rusty. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I expected it. Uh, all right, so look, if I'm his PR agent, I'm going Zion. Stop. You filing for an appeal that you don't want them to investigate, and you don't want to have to say your side of things, looks way worse than you going. Yeah, my parents accepted money. Yeah. Now it looks like you're trying to hide something, and you're taking an appeal. It wasn't you just you filed the motion. But now you were denied the motion, and now you're looking to take it further? Seriously? He's not trying to hide something. He is hiding exactly. something. At the end of the day, I mean, he knows what's going to come of this. This investigation will turn up ugly skeletons in this man's closet and amongst a lot of NCAA players. This is not going to be the end-all, be-all. It does not start and end with Zion. We're going to see this consistent, I think, over the next few years. With all the docu-series and old storylines coming out recently, is the nostalgia healthy or detrimental to sports right now? Look, I like all the nostalgia. I mean, the Len Bias thing, I, I, I love it coming out. The, the problem is, is I think it's creating a little bit of an issue, and it makes things worse like the MLB situation when you see how low Scottie Pippen got paid, right? It's a, compared to what these guys are now. The economy, it's changed, but it hasn't changed that much that these guys should have been paid that big of a difference. I think it's perfect timing for the situation that we're in, right? We're starving for sports and we're looking for things to keep our interest. I'm tired of watching, you know, any show on a rerun <laughs> that's been out there for the last 10 or 15 years. I want to see some good made-for-TV, and there's nothing better than a good sports docu-series. The whole ESPN 30 for 30 series has it nailed. Even like the, the, the whole NFL network and some of the stories that they do along with that stuff. Yeah, I like that stuff. I feed into it. I want more of it. Uh, that timing. That's my that timing. Perfect. Perfect, Look man. at you guys. <laughs> All right, Scott, it's the end of the show. Sign us out. All right, guys, we appreciate each and every week when you guys tune in. Make sure you also go check us out on our website, www.birdlandbs.com. Make sure you check out each of our episodes. Learn about us. Contact us. Get yourself some Birdland BS gear. By the way, I am uploading this week. Fred doesn't know. He's learning just right now as I say this. <laughs> I've got Birdland BS face masks. Nice. That we're going to get set up. Awesome. So we'll get those out there. Make sure you check us out, obviously, on the Big Play app, bigplay.com, birdlandsports.com. Check us out on both of those. Obviously, on social media, you can check us out at BirdlandBS, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Go check us out. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe. Hit the little alert buttons, especially on YouTube to go check us out. Make sure you also give us your opinions. Give us your comments. Leave us what you think, your reviews. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, 
Give us your review there as well. Make sure you also tune into those. If you if you didn't catch the show, you're just catching the end for whatever reason, go check out the actual audio version. Now that you have to drive back to work, you have something to listen to, okay? Fred, you have something to listen to when you come over here now. That's right. <laughs> make sure 30-minute drive. Make sure you guys check us out. So we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. So happy to be back in studio yeah, with man. all you guys. It is This is nostalgia right here. We're back in studio after two and a half months. So from Fred, myself, James, Brian, we'll see you guys next week. See you.